Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Buddhang namang sangang namasami So this um, saying of the Buddhas, the complete liberation of the heart through non-clinging, this is deathlessness. So, deathless, this uh, term, you know, refers to something that's con- some sense of constancy, something that, you know, however we, whatever phrase we fashion around it, is sort of is considered to be a kind of fundamental. You know, inclination towards something that's stable, constant, peaceful, unchanging, serene, secure, safe. And there are actually all these epithets are used um, for nibbana. It's sometimes called the island, the safe, the 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 other shore, the place you can't go beyond, the peaceful, the secure. So it's it's got these these are epithets for it, and. Um, Freedom from bonds, the secure. So, you know, the Buddha is referring to a kind of uh, an inclination that we have, that we that we act upon, and the problem is that we seek the constant in what is inconstant. And the problem isn't that we seek constancy; the problem is we seek it in the wrong place. <laughs> you know, constancy equals basically peacefulness. You know, steady, stable, peaceful, grounded. You know, things are okay, there's nothing ruffling you, there's nothing wobbling, it's steady. But the problem is we, we seek for that in the wrong place. We seek it for it in levels of feeling, in, in um, situations. <clears throat> Moods and emotions, states of being and so forth. And uh, as you, as we contemplate and meditate, then, uh, yeah, in some ways we are, there's a certain constancy about the practice. You know, one's applying, perhaps focusing on just one or two meditation objects for long periods of time. So, and you see actually when there is all that, that uh, inclination towards the stable, the peaceful, the steady, the calm, you see it's, it's not happening. You know, there, there's a, there can be degrees of stability <clears throat> within that, but you're always experiencing, just by that, that focus, you're experiencing the, the fluctuations, the changes, some of them the mind really <clears throat> wavering a lot. But even when it's not wavering, the very experience of feeling, or sensations, is of a kind of ripple and a surge and something that trembles. Uh, the sense of the body, you know, sitting still is something that's a matter of pulses and throbs and energy flows and so forth. It's not, it's not a constant thing. Not only is it in a subtle way, obviously the body's inconstant in that we all die, but right now it's, it's inconstant. It's, you know, it's, when you experience it directly, you know, not just as a visual impression or as an idea, but 
what actually is my body in the here and now? It's this kind of warm, throbs, tingles, particular sensations, painful, pleasant. It's shifting. It's changing. It's inconstant. <clears throat> what is mind? What is the mind? Well, we sometimes we the mind is the thoughts. Well, that's uh, very, very changing, inconstant. Mind is the emotions. Well, that changes and is inconstant. Another level of mind, you have these two levels that we often refer to our mind as being, but there's an, another level, that which is, which sometimes we don't get to very often, which is the sense of, of um, <coughs> sort of fundamental intent, knowingness, space. Mm. <coughs> <coughs> sometimes use these, these three terms to describe this uh, level of mind, the, we might say the basis of meditation, the, 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 the quality of mind that enables us to witness and watch or stand back or apply ourselves is this fundament of mind, is intent, the sense of aim, purpose, holding it together, inclination, that kind of, uh, like a gravity, you know, it's to do with restraint, we're letting go, we're attending to this. So where does that come from? That kind of, that, that's intent. There's a certain will or an inclination. And it's the quality that gives us a particular point and stabilizes our attention. It's a quality developed with, in meditation, in concentration, where you really get that quality of intent and you keep Focusing, 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 firming up, working with it. It's not just a rigid thing. It's a flexing thing. You know when to ease off or let go or tighten up or when it's getting slack. And you keep coming back and making that intent something that's, that's useful and purposeful. But you see, it does, it does change. You know? And you, you can see even uh, you know, samadhi, even when there is samadhi, it's still... You have to keep kind of um, applying yourself to it because it tends to uh, waver, uh, it, it fades, and then when you come out of meditation, it, it kind of gets easily gets flustered and your intent gets scattered onto doing this or doing that and so forth. Knowingness, this is the quality of mindful awareness, it means you're able to, the mind is that which is able to recognize this is happening now, this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. It changes, it's like this, bringing it into the present moment. So when we cultivate mindfulness in meditation, it's just that that quality of attention that applies itself just to purely acknowledging thought, feeling, sensation. It's that, it's that, it's that, it's that, it's that. that. Is that just this, just this, just this? Sometimes it's it's a really useful, can be useful um, tool just to apply that kind of little word to whatever you're experiencing. Just this now, it's just this now. It's just the sound of the voice. It's just the footstep. It's just the feeling in my knee. It's just that. It's just that. It's just that. It kind of separates things. 
you know, which otherwise tend to get into a big blob of me and the world and the, the thought and the feeling all get mashed together. And you get this big blob, aggregate blob. And yet actually, mindfulness kind of cuts it. And says, well, right now it's just this. It's just the worry. It's just the feeling. It's just the thought. It's just the aversion. It's just the joy. You know, good, bad. Makes no particular... Uh, connections, except to connect it to the fact of inconstancy. It shifts and changes. It doesn't, you know, when there's a lot of, when mindfulness is strong, things don't stick. They kind of keep, but at the same time, they tend to keep coming up. So, you know, mindfulness also is something that we lose and gain again and lose again and it it fluctuates in its degree of, of, uh, of sharpness or clarity. And then there's uh, spaciousness, which is like the quality of, of awareness, which is fundamental quality of mind. That is everything that we experience, the very fact of experiencing something, gives us a sense of this is happening to me. Yeah. So what this means is that what I'm talking about is that somehow everything is contained within consciousness, you know. It's the, consciousness is the space within which things happen. Like, so we're conscious of a sound. There's the hearing consciousness, which contains all sounds. You know, hearing is not a sound, is it? And yet, hearing can contain silences, sounds, bird songs, voices, clattering, and yet hearing is not that. So, hearing is the space that contains sound consciousness, the sounds. So that's what hearing consciousness is. Yeah? And body consciousness and so forth. And then mind consciousness is the one that contains all the bits of the others that seem pertinent or which we which seem relevant or desirable or botherable or whatever. So you notice that the mind is mind consciousness is a kind of is a space that sits on top of the others and just gathers up that which is particularly relevant at any particular time. So any particular time we don't we're not uh, we might say we're not conscious of the feelings in our body, every address in our address book, thoughts in our mind, the bird song. We, we just a little bit of that. You might have one or two topics coming up, a bit of this, a bit of that. And mind consciousness is the kind of um, collector that gathers up out of all this huge amount of potential data that we could have going for us. It just collects up a certain amount and says, this, this much, we'll gather this much. This is what's happening to me right now. And all kinds of things that are, that are happening to my body are not happening to me right now. I don't get that sense that I'm aware of my pancreas or, um, you know, the aging process or the, my hair or the colour of my skin or whatever. You know, those are, all, those are all going on, doing what they're doing, but right now they're not happening to me. Hmm? And so the me bit is the, is the, is the thing, that the, is the creation of the mind that selects a certain amount of stuff, says, this, this, is, this is you, this is the you bit right now, and it changes. Sometimes the me is certain emotions or thoughts, 
Sometimes it's physical sensations, sometimes it's subtle, sometimes it's gross. Sometimes it's memory, sometimes it's anticipation, sometimes it's serious, sometimes it's jovial, and so forth. You know? and it's got all kinds, so it's that, isn't it? It's like a, uh, a selection. And that's all, you know, there's a, there's a space that, that shifts and changes. Now it's like this, it contains this, now it contains that, now it's this, that, this, that. That's what I call me. Yeah, and it's changing all the time. Because the nature of the, the space, the definition of the space, the contents of it change. And yet the fact of there being a space doesn't, you know, doesn't change. <laughs> there's, always, there's always awareness of something, you know, whether it's quiet, silent, refined, subtle. Yeah. But the... Uh, the big thing for us is always that we get a sense of, yeah, yeah, there's something, I'm, I'm something, but there's all this stuff going on, you know, if I could come and get rid of all this stuff, I'd get down to the real me, yeah. So I could somehow be void of all these events and things going on. That's one instinct, which is called the inclination towards non-becoming. It's just clear everything out, get to some base state of nothing happening. It's called the inclination towards non-existence or the non-manifestation of phenomena. The other inclination is get me to the good bit. Get me to the the subtle, peaceful, steady, blissful, happy, reassuring, worthwhile, clear, interesting state. This is called the inclination towards becoming, having something, getting somewhere, being something. These kind of very very fundamental. This is very, you know, deeply embedded stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And yet, actually, you never really, you know, all this time in our lives, we've never actually really got rid of everything. We've never actually finally become everything or anything. It's always, it's always, you, you know, you get rid of something, something else comes up, you have something that passes and changes and it goes on. And we still think, well, yeah, yeah, I haven't got it yet, but I will do one day. Oh, yeah, I will do one day. Well, good luck. <laughs> we'll get there, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get there, yeah. <clears throat> but as Buddha said, there is a kind of, uh, uh, there is an ending of this process. But actually, the, the uh, it's through really, Reviewing and understanding the process. Mm. And it's the sense of the clinging to these processes. Now it's the ending of clinging is the ending of becoming and non-becoming. The ending of that kind of, uh, that energy stops. Mm. But those may be difficult to conceive. Uh, what would that be like? Would that be nice then? You know, would I have got something? And oops, no, that's not. Looks like I'm clinging again. <laughs> so the Buddha often referred to the just 
just understanding the basis of clinging, padana, and uh, most importantly, the, the clinging to bases that we consider ourselves to be. The form, this is my form, this is my body, this is this material elements, it's me, mine. Feeling, it's my the feeling of pleasure or pain. We don't necessarily think of it as me, but certainly the heightening of attention around that there's, there's a lot of self-interest in this. You know, so this is my feeling. But when a feeling occurs uh, and it's painful, there's an extreme galvanizing of attention around that, saying, "I don't want this to happen." You know, it's it's uh, it's very interested. So it's, it's, it's happening to me, it's mine. It's, you know. And there's a looking for the pleasant one to fill and, and flood me and lift me up. So that's his clinging to feeling. It's clinging to perceptions and impressions, interpretations and meanings, a sanya. Tell me the values, where I am, what things mean. You know. Notice when you, you come to a when you come to a new place or a new person or a new event or you're trying to learn something new, you get this kind of state when it's all un, unknown, and the mind is quite um, busy and, and agi- trying to trying to get it together. You know, we feel quite unsteady in, in the unknownness. Tell me what's going on. What's your name? What am I supposed to do? Don't feel I really have landed until I've got that there. I don't feel like me. I don't feel settled until I've got my, the meanings of, you know. It's in, not an intellectual meaning. It's a kind of, you know, the way we, we feel out. and We're all oh, right, that's okay. And she's like this. All oh, right, I see. I get it. Ah, now, I feel, now I feel steady. I feel safe now. I feel okay. And then it changes. Something else happens. Things shift. We attach to those things, don't we? We systematize the meanings. We make them into rules and customs. We make them into identities. You're like this. And then you, then you change. You say, oh, you're supposed to be like this. Why aren't you like this anymore? Yeah. You're supposed to be, you know, my inspiration or my whatever it is. And now you're not doing it. <laughs> You know, so we, we get a particular value or meaning and we want that to last and yet does it? You know, how long do we actually remain sources of you know, pleasure, inspiration, confidence for each other without some kind of ripple and, and um, letting down or adjustments going on? Yeah. So this is a big thing for us. Don't want Chittos Monastery to become a run-down, seedy, you know, dump with big scams going on it. I want it to be inspiring, pure Buddhist monastery. I don't want it to be kind of run-down, double-dealing, frauds, embezzlements, um, skullduggery going on. I want it to be this way. Yeah. I don't want it to be kind of falling apart. 
want the Sangha to be kind of thriving and strong and vigorous and not d- depressed and disrobing and fed up and <laughs> yeah actually <laughs> when you look at so this can be a source of great stress because you know you get the perception of Sangha huge numbers of people in that it's like having 300,000 or so strange cousins and uncles and aunts you know, and some of them are going very strange at times and coming and going and leaving and doing funny things and not having bright meditations and losing the plot. And you can feel so kind of fed up with it all. We're all supposed to be noble and heading for Nibbana and so on and it's falling apart. And it was doing this right in the time of the Buddha it was doing this. It started off falling apart. <laughs> you know, for this. It didn't take long. The Buddha was always having to say, foolish man, did I not tell you that this, you know, some monk was up to doing some silly little thing, you know, touching women up in the kitchen or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's so really pathetic, gross act. (laughs) The Buddha had to give a ticking off. So the Buddha, you know, he was getting pretty fed up with all this. (laughs) This was during his own lifetime. And the monks at each other's throats and, uh, you know, nasty things happening. Nuns weren't any better either. <laughs> that way. <laughs> <Did some laughs> you should read some of their stories. 